Amen. And I'll add my boy's happy birthday to the pastor. Amen. And uh, we so appreciate him. Someone once told me one time, birthdays are good for you. They're healthy. The more you have, the longer you live. And uh, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Amen. That's all the singing will do. Thank you very much. And we appreciate each and every one of you. Just we're at the men's meetings also uh, ministering there. And, you know, sometimes you don't know how things are going to go and how God is going to use it. You go, you study, you preach. I had a minister brother, had a conversation with a, a minister brother, and I got an email from him when I got home or a text or something. And he said, um, he said, would you please write down what you said to me privately? He said, because I think I came this whole weekend just to hear that. And so, you know, you think the services and everything. And, and sometimes God just needs to say a certain something to somebody. And so we appreciate that and we're thankful for that. And uh, Brother Barry Coffey certainly sends his greetings as Brother Biscoe is related. Many ministers were there and sent their greetings. We not only were at the men's meetings, but also uh, meeting with some brothers with regards to printing the message and the message hub. And that's why I asked Brother Darren Hoffman to come and be involved in that, Brother Mark Ajo. And uh, so God is doing great things in many places. And uh, I was just thinking yesterday when I was home, I had to fly home Sunday because I had a Monday morning meeting with Brother George Oyotola at 9 o'clock Monday morning because he was leaving at 11 o'clock to go back to Angola and we had to meet regarding things in Angola and then he's going and then Tuesday I'm arranging trips to Africa and different places and I'm thinking there just isn't enough time anymore to do all of these things. But we thank God for what he's doing. Amen. Is he doing something in your life? You know, Brother Derek, he said something very interesting you know, he prayed that, that God would do something unexpected tonight. Amen. But I prayed that God would do something expected. How many of you came expecting? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. And, and if you're expecting tonight, I not only expect the unexpected, but I expect the expected. And, and, and you know, we just want to come with great faith saying this service is not just for, uh, I'll just say, to kill time. It's not to say, well, I'm a believer, or this is just what we do on Wednesday night. This is a great opportunity as, as we would say, the licks of fire are gathered in with the believers. The presence of God is here. And uh, as much as we might travel across the continent to a meeting where brothers gather from all over North America, we gather from all over the lower mainland in the United States here tonight and say the same God that was there is the same God that is here. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. If you have a need, why don't you just signify that to the Lord as we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, just wanting to still our own spirit tonight and wanting, Lord, to yield ourselves to the moving of your presence if there would be just one person that would be in this gathering tonight, it would be worthwhile. Lord, but there's many more than one person. 
There's many lives. There's many uh, experiences, Lord. And we even heard the prayer requests, Lord, of the needs that are in the body. And I'm sure, Father, that there are other needs that are represented here. And we might not know them all. We might not understand them all. And even in our own selves, we might feel too weak to be able to meet them. But, Lord, we know one person that is able, O oh God, not only to know the secrets of the heart, but able to meet everyone at their own individual address, and that is you, Lord. We invite you, Lord. We lift our thoughts and our voice. We lay aside everything today that happened to us. Lord, we just come into the presence of the Almighty One now. Lord, come and influence us tonight. Come and pour out your spirit. Come and connect us in a greater way than ever before. We ask, Lord, as we turn back the pages of your word, that you'll just anoint it to our hearts, we pray. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we ask it. Amen. Amen. And uh, let's turn in our Bibles to book, the book of Philippians chapter 3. I have many things racing around in my mind, so excuse me if I feel, if I seem a little bit distracted. I have many different thoughts, uh, not different thoughts, but many different angles. And, you know, we just want to just let the Holy Spirit direct the service tonight. Amen? Amen. Are we here tonight? Amen. Amen. I feel like I don't want you to be distracted. Are you ready tonight? Amen. Amen. The Word is here. Christ is here. You're here. That means all things are possible to them that believe. Amen. And uh, so let's take our Bibles in Philippians chapter 3, and we'll read there from verse 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And then Paul begins to spell it out here. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Now I want you to notice this word loss, it only appears one other place. And that is in Acts 27, where Paul is in a shipwreck as, he's, as they become in a great storm. And uh, uh, he the, Lord, the angel of the Lord told him to tell the people that everything is going to be lost, but your lives will be saved. And it's the same word here where Paul says, I count everything as lost for Christ. And he says, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win or gain Christ. Amen. All right, so 
The word win here is also the word gain. So he says in verse 7, the things that were gained for me, I count them as loss, that I may gain Christ. So I've gained these things, but now I let them go for a greater gain. Amen? And he says, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may be seated. Now, Paul is making several key points here in this scripture. And he's speaking of how that his life was molded in the things that he had become. I'll just use these words influenced by our pastor has been in that thought. And and anytime he, he speaks of those things, it's it's always I'll just say an influence for me. But it, we find out that Paul here is speaking. Now he says, I had a great training in the natural realm. But he says, we are not of those that have confidence in the flesh. Matter of fact, we are those that have no confidence in the flesh. And when you have no confidence in something, what do you do? You don't trust it. Amen. We don't trust our flesh. Furthermore, you check on it regularly. You know, if you're, if you're maybe a management, in a management position in a company and you've got a worker, but you don't have confidence in that worker. He's, they're employed, but you have to keep checking on them. Why? Because there's no confidence there. You know, maybe you, your car is old and beat up and the engine's not very good or the battery's not very good. You don't have confidence and so you're always concerned every time you go to use it. Will it start? Will it run? Will it get me where I want to go? I actually, on my car, have two leaky tires. It's nothing to do with the tires themselves. It's the age of the rims and they have a slow leak and all of that sort of thing. And so uh, I, I have to constantly go out with my pressure gauge and check my tires about once a week to make sure I got enough air in my tires to drive my car. And, and yet the tires are fairly new in themselves, but I have no confidence that they're going to stay the way they ought to stay. And so I wanted to just say that to say, when Paul says we have no confidence in the flesh, he's not saying we ignore the flesh. He's saying we're always having to check up on it. We're always having to make sure, am I surrendered the way I ought to be surrendered? Am I walking the way I ought to walk? Am I disciplined the way I, I should be disciplined? And in the flesh, uh, am I looking at the things that I should be looking at? Right. 
Am I listening to the right kind of things? Am I, am I constantly uh, checking myself? Because this old flesh of ours, as Paul says in Romans chapter 7, when I would do good, evil's present with me. He says, the things I would do, I do not. The things that I do not, that I do. Why? Because the, the law of sin abides in the flesh. There's something laying there that's constantly giving us troubles, even though Paul says, I had learned to discipline it as a Pharisee, as an Israelite, as someone that, that was uh, concerning the law blameless. But I want you to know, I have no confidence in my flesh. Amen. He says, now, he doesn't just say himself. He says, we are they that worship God in the spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. And furthermore, we could take that and go beyond just our own selves and, and say, you know, we don't have confidence in mankind. We don't put our trust in a man. I'll say this message was not delivered by a man. There were, God only uses men. God could have used the wind, the stars, the sun. He could have preached to anything. But God uses men. That's the way God operates. I, I think I heard it on the weekend. I think it was Brother Jason that said, the amazing thing is that God uses imperfect men to perfect the imperfect. You know, and that's, that's the way we are in the gospel is that that's how God uses us. But we have no confidence in ourselves. We have no confidence in a man that stands behind the pulpit, but we have confidence in our God that can use the man that stands behind the pulpit. We have no confidence in a man that was born in the hills of Kentucky and has a seventh grade education, although we might look at the man and say, now that was a real man's man. That was a man that had real character, and that was a man that had real, uh, a, a real self-discipline about himself. But yet in the midst of all that, I can say, my confidence doesn't rest in a man. My confidence rests in the God that used the man. That's even Brother Branham said himself. He says, Some, you might think that I'm speaking of myself. He says, I have no more to do with it than anything. He says, it's not me that does these things. I'm just there when he does them. Amen. Amen. And that's the way all of us are. And I was talking to someone the other day who was going uh, on a missions trip and he, he was asking me some advice. And I said, well, you know, some people might look at me uh, as though maybe I have things organized or things get done. I says, but really, and maybe I shouldn't even say this, but I'm going to say it now. Uh, really, I don't have a lot of confidence in myself or my ability to organize. I just kind of surrender it to the Lord. Lord, if you want this to work, it's up to you. If you want this to turn out well, it's really in your hands. You direct it. You put the right man in this situation. You, you cause the blessing to come to it. And when God blesses it, then we say, praise be to God. And we rejoice in what our God is doing. But at the same time, though we have no confidence in the flesh, neither are we scared of the flesh. We're not scared of any man. Not, the Bible says, don't be scared what man can do unto you. You know, but, but be, be fearful of what the Lord has in mind for you. You know, we, we're not scared of our own flesh. Because we know that if the same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead 
dwell in us, it shall quicken our mortal bodies. It shall bring our bodies subject to the word of God. Furthermore, we know that if, that if we're the called of God, that all things work together for good. To those, who are, uh, to those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. So we recognize that he has a purpose in our life. And these, these bodies are just vessels or veils that we live in that must come subject to the promise of God. In other words, God has put everything in his word that we have need of to occupy these bodies in sanctification and honor in the day that we're living in. Because we're living in a very evil day. Days that were foreseen by the people in the Bible. And I often wonder as the prophets, as they look down through the ages into this day and begin to see the evil. As Paul says, perilous times shall come. As, as John described the things that he saw in the book of Revelation and describes the spirits and the evilness that would be moving in this age. As Isaiah, which I'll maybe speak about later, as he began to see the things that would unfold in a great evil day. Even as he said, you know, the tables are full of vomit and to whom shall he give knowledge and impart knowledge. And I was thinking about all these prophets as they looked into this day because their day was not as evil as this day. And as they looked down through time, as God showed them, there's a great evil day coming. Maybe they prayed for you and me. Lord, help your people in that day. There's coming a great calamity upon the earth and the, the, the release of demon powers in the final age is going to be terrible. And there was Paul in his day that was lifted up into heavenly places and saw abundance of revelation so great that he had to be buffeted in the flesh by a messenger of Satan to keep him humble. And as he, as he saw so many great things in Paul, recognizing if I have no confidence in the flesh, what will they be like in an age where men will be weaker but wiser? In an age where the natural man is just not able to stand up to the onslaught of the age. We see that in this hour. We see it in Brother Hugh, his daughter, Sister Jenny. We see it in Brother Ryan. We see it in others who, who battle things. And maybe you're battling something here tonight. But I'll say tonight that God has given us promises. He's given us a sure word that we can say, this body is my body. I do not have confidence in it, but neither do I fear it. And I will yield myself, surrender my body, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. So in everything, we have no confidence in the flesh. Sometimes it's hard for a young person to catch that. You know, as we get older, <laughs> I can't even hardly believe I'm talking that about myself. As I get older, I, le I, left, my, I left my charging cord for my computer in the hotel where we stayed in North Carolina. I thought to myself, I'm getting older. I thought, how could I do that? It's just right there on the desk. We, we just, our minds get distracted. Our minds are not as sharp. Our flesh is not as sharp. We get tired. We get weary. You know, we're, we're struggling with things. We've got to meet airplane schedules and meeting schedules and all these kind of schedules. And maybe it's hard because I remember when I was a young person, you know, you hold everything in your mind and you remember everything. Now you've got to write everything down. 
Okay, I'm the only one that's got to write everything down. And, uh, you know, you got numbers and things you got to write down. Uh, that's one good thing about cell phones is you get somebody's phone number, you can put it in your cell phone, and then you got it all the time, and, and then you forget their name. Now, what was their name? <laughs> and that, that number's in here somewhere, but what was their name? And uh, so we, we have these battles, and our, our flesh lets us down. And I warn you, because the devil knows that too. He knows your struggles. Come on. He knows your struggles. He knows the weakness of our flesh. As I said last time I spoke, he has one punch coming at each one of us, and we have to, we have to keep that one punch covered. Our strength fades. Our, our mind becomes not so sharp. It just happens. I don't know how it happens. I'm not a biologist, and, uh, but it happens. But the psalmist writes in Psalms 90, it says, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Amen. That's a real good statement. That's the word of God. Amen. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to realize we are mortal. Teach us to be conscious of the things that are important in life that we may apply our hearts. And the word heart there, Brother Aaron so preached on it on the first meeting, Brother Aaron McGeary, and, and uh, brought a wonderful service on it, how that it's the, the mind, the heart more relates to the mind in conjunction with the nature and, and uh, so that we may apply our hearts, so that we may apply our character. So that we may apply that which motivates us unto real wisdom. And that we might know exactly who we are and what we're about. Are you with me so far? You know, Paul's mind was well trained. And we know he learned at the feet of Gamaliel, who was uh, reputed to be the great teacher of the day in Israel. And, uh, but though Gamaliel was a great teacher, I'll say it this way, Gamaliel is not the giver of wisdom. God alone is the giver of wisdom. Education is not wisdom. And Paul lays out uh, some of the strengths that he had. He says, if, if someone else seems uh, like they have something good to say about their flesh, I can say, I'm an Israelite, circumcised the eighth day. And, you know, we might say, well, that's just, uh, uh, that's just nature. But actually, you know, even they find out today that the seed of Abraham and the children of Israel, on average, have a much higher IQ than the rest of the population. And so their minds are better. And you can go through the different awards, whether it be Nobel Prizes or scientific awards, and they have a disproportionate average of all those awards and, they, and I was looking at some of the statistics today, which are not important, but he could say, I'm an Israelite. He could say, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. He could say, I'm self-disciplined. I know how to self-discipline myself, and self-discipline goes a long ways. And he says that not only that, but I've been zealous for the things that I believed. But yet in all of that, Paul did not say, I don't want to know anything. He said, rather... 
I want to lay that all aside, not to become a know-nothing, but I want to lay it aside to, that I may know Christ. He, he says, and this, as he's speaking now, is subsequent to the new birth that has taken place in his life. He's even now in the state of writing to the church as an apostle to the Gentiles. He's even now saying, listen, he says, I don't count myself to have apprehended. It's, a, it's the constant reality of the born-again believer that says, I'm not there yet. He says, I know I've been born again. I know I've got the Spirit of God dwelling in me. I know the life of God dwells in me. I know my life was changed. And I know I laid aside everything. He says, but I don't count myself to have apprehended. He says, I, I'm still pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Are you with me? All right, and, and, and I realize I'm just laying this out slowly for you here, but he, he, he's saying there's something about Christ that is of greater value than I could learn through the flesh or through the mind of man. I'm trained, I'm self-disciplined, I'm, I've been zealous, I've been all these things, but yet all those things got to be laid aside because there is a greater wisdom that cannot be imparted by those things. I must know Christ. I must know him in the power of the resurrection. I must know him in a personal way, not just as, an, uh, as a born-again experience. Now, I want you to catch this particularly because, and I guess I'm ministering to those that have the Holy Ghost. Just because you have the Holy Ghost does not mean you just rest. Though you have entered into your rest. You have entered into your inheritance. You have entered into your promised land. But Paul says, I'm not satisfied just knowing that I met him. I want to know him. Yeah. It's like a marriage relationship when a couple goes to the altar and they get married. And then, then they have a, 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 a wedding ceremony. And then the husband goes home and says, well, I'll see you later. You know, I'm going to go hunting now. I'm going to go off and do my own thing. And, you know, it's wonderful. I love you. If I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. And, uh, you know, I'm off doing my own thing. That's not marriage. No. That's, right. That's not a relationship. No, the relationship starts there. And now they, they, they join themselves together and they begin to grow together over life to begin to experience a relationship in a way that cannot be experienced any other way. And all the married couples said... Amen. Now what's taking place? It's a, it's a union, but now it begins to grow. Amen. Our union comes with Christ in the new birth, but now it begins to grow. Amen. We've been united to the infinite God, but he wants to let himself be made known unto us in a greater and a greater way. Amen. And unveil himself to us through the revelation of the word. Because as he, Paul says, I want to know Christ. Christ is the word that was made flesh. He's established in our lives by revelation. That measure of faith that lays within every predestinated son and daughter of God. And it must be a reality of an experience of walking with Christ. Now, Brother Branham spoke to a theologian. Uh, one time, and he, he, he said he had many, many degrees. And, and he spoke to Brother Branham, and he said, you know, when I was a little boy, I was called to the ministry. And he said, my precious old mother washed over a washboard to send me to school. Said the day that I was going and received my degree of a Bachelor of Art, my BA degree, said I thought then surely Christ would be in that. 
But he said he wasn't. And when I received my doctor's degree, then I thought Christ will be in that. But he wasn't. He said, when I got my doctor of literature and so forth, and he says, I've got enough degrees and honorary degrees till I could plaster your wall with them. But he makes this statement. Where's Christ in all of that? He said, I'm still looking for him. He said, I'm going to ask you a question. He, Brother Branham, he says, uh, has the teachers been wrong? And Brother Branham says, my brother, he said, he's Jewish to begin with. I said, I'm in no position with, as a seventh grade education to say that the teachers are wrong. I could not say that. I don't feel qualified to condemn, condemn anybody. But I'll say this, that I have found him, and he wasn't in that. I found him, and it wasn't through a Bible school. I remember, you know, talking to my niece. I've maybe mentioned it before, and, and uh, she had gone to the, a Bible school out here in the valley. And I said, I went to that Bible school for four days. And she said, four days? I said, yeah, four days. I said, I was supposed to go five days, but I only went four. And uh, well, why'd you go for I said, I was just trying it out and uh, see if that was what I was looking for. And, and she said, well, what were you looking for? I said, I was looking for God. I said, but I realized after four days, this isn't where he is. And I left there and continued to look. And, and as I begin to journey through life and, uh, you know, live my life, start my career, begin moving through different channels of, uh, of uh, I'll say, success in life and, and begin to become established even as a young man, but still looking for God in all of that. I, look, I started a career in banking, but I was really looking for God. I thought maybe if I get some success here, life will be better. You know, I thought, you know, maybe if I get married, life will be better. And if I have some children, life will be better. And, you know, but really in all of that, looking for God. Until finally one day, God led me out through my work out to a little town in the Okanagan. And, and in that little town, sent a, another brother by my way to, to who he himself didn't really know. He certainly wasn't, we would say, trained in the message. But as he began to share with me the truth of the word that was expressed through the message of the hour, the God that I was looking for made himself known to me. Where was he? He was laying there all the time. He was just waiting for me to get to a place that he could come to me. He had to get me beyond the distractions of the rest of my life and get me out of what I thought would be something that would lead me to God. And he took me out to a tiny little town to work in a tiny little bank branch and, and be isolated from everything else so he could get me alone to a place where he could reveal himself to me. And as I begin to get into the message of the hour, you know what? I begin to find God. I know well, let me just say it this way. Brother, the brother asked Brother Branham, he says, I heard you were Baptist. And he, he says, and then you turned to the Pentecost, turned Pentecostal. And Brother Branham says, no, I, he says, I just received the Pentecostal blessing. And he said, well, I've been to their meetings and I see them kick over chairs through a book through a window. He says, you couldn't call that behavior of the blessed Holy Spirit. 
Brother Ram says, I'm still not able to judge God. And the, the theologian said, well, what makes them do that? Are you ready for this? He says, in my travel, I find two classes of people. One of them are fundamentals. Positionally, they know by the mechanics that they are to be sons and daughters of God. And I said, the next I find is the Pentecostals with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I, I said, the fundamentals know positionally where they're at, but they don't have any faith in the word. He says, and the Pentecostals has got a lot of faith, but they don't know who they are. I said, it's like a man that had money in the bank, but couldn't write a check. Right. We've all heard that statement. He says, and one could write a check, but had no money in the bank. He says, if we could just get them together. Now, what's the them that he's talking about? He says, get those with the baptism of the Holy Ghost to understand who they are. Then when you get them in that kind of position, he says, then you'll see something happen. Amen. Because the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not to just blow a lot of steam out the whistle. It's to put the steam down to the wheels to make the engine move. Amen. Is to put us in position and cause us to recognize who we are. You know, we have, we'll come to good meetings. We'll have the moving of God in the service. We'll see miracles. I've seen lots of miracles in the last few years. That's not the issue. But the issue is it's got to be the Spirit of God move us to a revelation of who we are. Because when you know who you are, that's when you become an invincible army. Then the devil doesn't know what to do with you. Amen. How many want to be that tonight? I feel like we're quiet in here. I'm not sure if you're just listening closely, if it's just a Wednesday night, what it is. Maybe you worked hard today, but this is something that we need to recognize. Like Paul says, I don't got no confidence in the flesh. I don't have any confidence in learning, but I have confidence in the word and I want to know Christ. And I want to hear the word of God and I want to hear it preached and I want to hear it preached in its fullness. I want to see the word of God declared from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, because the word has come revealed in our day. But I want it revealed to me personally that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Amen. Now, by preaching, I'll just say it this way. We're not trying to produce the rapture by preaching. Right. So where's he going with this statement? You know, we're not trying to say, well, we should be preaching this way or we should be preaching that way or we should be emphasizing this or we should be emphasizing that. And I'm not standing up here to declare how we should do it. I'm just saying that's what we're not doing. But really, you are called individually to catch that Brother Branham you know, I, I think about, let me say it this way. I think about Brother Branham when he first was coming to God. And he says there in the wilderness, he says, oh, you know, dear Mr. God. He says, I, I want to I talk to you for a minute. And he, he says, I want to I surrender. I want to ask you to forgive me. And he says, I stop and I didn't hear. And they said, maybe I'm not holding my hands right. I saw it in a picture. It was like this, you know. And maybe if I hold my hands like this, dear, dear God, he says, I, I, I feel like, you know, he says, I, I want to talk to you. And he says, I didn't hear nothing. And, and finally, he, he just got beside himself. He says, well, if you're not going to talk to me, I'm going to talk to you. 
And they just begin to, to just say, oh, God, I'm a rotten sinner and I need to be saved. And I need you to come into my life and all of those things. And what happened? God came down and met him there. Why? Not because of the form, but because of the reality of what was in his heart. See, there already was redemption that was given at Calvary. It doesn't come to us by a form. It comes to us by predestination. And God's waiting to get you in a certain place where he can reveal himself to you because it was always predestinated that he would make himself known to you. I say praise be to God. God always had it in his mind to make himself known to me. God always had it in his mind that he'd meet me out there in a little town in the middle of nowhere in the Okanagan and that he'd move events in my life to take me there. And when I got there, there'd be another brother that would get there. And I don't even know if he's here tonight. Brother Mark, are you here? And, and, and uh, someone's pointing in that direction. He's over here somewhere. Thank you. Right there. And I remember those times back there in that little town. And he didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know why he was going there. But God had it all in control. Because God wanted to make himself known to an individual. And though I met God there out in the backside of British Columbia. But yet it's still from that day to this day. I can honestly say I count not myself to have apprehended. I want to know more of him. I want more revelation. I want more of the stature of Christ. I want more of his nature. I want more of his thoughts because we're serving an infinite God. We've been united to an infinite God. And oh, that he might express himself and make himself known to me in a greater way. I want to say it this way. We're not preaching a rapture to you. The rapture has already been preached. The rapture has already been spoken by a prophet. God said there would be certain things in the last days. He told John, seal it up. He told Daniel, seal it up. He said, wait, don't write what the seven thunders uttered. He says, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. Brother Branham said it'll be those things. that, That those seven mysterious thunders, which are the mysteries contained in the seals... That would be revealed in the last days that would loose rapturing faith in the church. Is that right? All right. Then what's in the message? If you've got rapturing faith, you've got the rapture. Brother Branham said, you know, he talked about faith. He says, it's like you have a quarter in your pocket. It's not a quarter now. Maybe it's a dollar or two dollars for a loaf of bread. Maybe you got two dollars in your pocket and you're, you're going to the grocery store knowing you're going to get a loaf of bread. Someone cut the corner off that pulpit. You're going to get, get a loaf of bread and you're, you're looking at it and you're, you're thinking, oh, I can't wait to taste that bread. That bread is mine. I know it's there. And I got this money in my pocket. I'm going to go get that bread. He says, now potentially you have the bread. He says, because you got the money. He says, and that's the way faith is. He says, faith is the substance of things home for the evidence of things not seen. The rapture is laying right within the message. So when we say, I want to know Christ. And we say, Christ is the message. Then we say, I want to know the full message. I want to know every part of Christ. I want to know the healing part of Christ. Amen. I want to know the salvation part of Christ. I want to know the redemptive part of Christ. 
I want to know the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. I want to know the rapture part of Christ that has only been revealed in this day. Amen. Amen. We're living in the day where the light has shone upon the word to produce rapture in the church. It's never been in any other age until this age. It's never been till the seals were open. It's never been till the mysteries were made known because the angel said, don't write it. Seal it up. It can't be for this age because the rapture isn't for this age. But now there'll be a people in possession of the rapture. I want to know Christ. I want to know the rapture. I want to possess it in the fullness of it. So you need to know and you do know and and we need to walk with the realization. The rapture lays right in front of us. Because without us catching the revelation of the rapture, the rest of the church cannot come to a resurrection. God's laid it out for you. He's laid out his word. Yes. That you might be in the rapture. Yes. That you might be the rapture. Yes. He's saying, now eat this revelation. Yes. Digest this. Know Christ in the full power of his resurrection. I've given my full power now in this hour. And it's up to you now. I've birthed you. But do you have the desire that Paul had? I'm not satisfied just being birthed. Amen. I want to go further. Maybe you haven't been birthed in the, in, by the quickening of the word. Maybe you haven't been born again. Maybe you don't have the Holy Ghost. I'm speaking to you too. Get the Holy Ghost. Yes. But once you got the Holy Ghost, how do I get the Holy Ghost, Brother Tim? Die out to yourself. Amen. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a promise to you and your children and to all that are afar off as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's laying there in the word of God, but you must accept it as a revelation to you personally. I accept Christ. I lay my own life down. I count everything but dung. I put it all aside that I might win Christ and that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. I was studying the, the, uh, the message, Anointed Ones at the End Time, lately. And I really got to the end of it, and I was really pondering the things that Brother Branham was saying. And, uh, you know, he says, the Bible said that he is. He is I am, not I was or will be, I am right now. Now remember that I may know Christ. So he is the I am, the present God. That's why you can't, lo- you can't know him through education. Right. Education teaches you what has been. But he is the I am. He said he's the word that lives through here. He was in the beginning. And then he begins to talk about the growth of the seed. He said he was in the blades. He was in the tassel. He was in the shuck. But now he's in the grain. But now the I am is in grain form. Now what went into the ground? The grain form. The church has gone from grain form all the way through the cycles of the church ages back to grain form. Are you with me so far? He says, in the very day that the Son of Man is revealed... 
What is the revealing of the Son of Man? As it was in the days of Lot, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Sodom, so will it be in the revealing of the Son of Man. It's not just describing so that you can say, oh, well, this is the evil day that is talking about, and, and therefore this is the day of the revealing of the Son of Man. No, it's identifying that the Word has come back to grain form again. The church has come back to grain form. He says, Revelation 10, 1 to 7, read it when you get home. The seventh angel's message, opening up the seals. What is it? Not the angel is the son of man, but the messenger is revealing the son of man. He says, can you get it separated now? I want you to just stay with me for a moment here. And now Brother Branham here in the message, he's interchanging angel and messenger because angel means messenger. All right, so the seventh angel or the seventh messenger is the same thing as he's describing it here. So he says, not the angel is the son of man, but the messenger is revealing the son of man. Right. He says, can you get it separated now? He says, that's where it seems to be so hard for you. He says, not the son of man himself, but the seventh angel, the seventh messenger is revealing to the public the son of man because it's left the shock he can't organize it it's the grain itself again Amen. all right so we've come back to grain time we've come he's identifying the maturity of the word and it's not just it's not just scripture it's not just promises but he's saying the church now which is the word made flesh has come beyond Luther has come beyond Wesley has come beyond Pentecost. It's come now to bride form or mature form. Amen. Amen. We're not living in a, in an age where, Oh Lord, help me. We're not living in an age where it just seems like, Oh, well, we, we're trying to absorb. We're trying to understand. We're trying, no, you are the word that he's speaking of. Amen. You are the rapture that he's speaking of. You are the message that he's speaking of. Because the word is not just to go out there in the stratospheres. It's not just to go on tape. It's not just to go in book form. No, he's speaking a bride into existence. Amen. The word and the word that he's speaking. Luther could only speak a blade into existence. Wesley could only speak a tossle into existence. Pentecost with a manifestation of the gifts could only bring it into a, the life into a shuck form. But now the strength of the word and the full revelation of it is speaking the grain into existence. Amen. Amen. That's you. That's me. Recognizing who we are. We are the grain that he's speaking into existence. And that's why Paul's saying back there, he's saying that I may know Christ. I don't want to know a blade. I don't want to know a part of Christ. It was Christ, but I don't want to know a part of it. I don't want to know three quarters of it. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know him in the full revealing of the rapture. I want to know him in the display of his glory as he takes the bride off the earth. I want to know him in an invincible army. Amen. I want to know him in full power over the devil. Amen. 
I want to see him rebuke cancer. I want to see people get out of those hospital beds. I want to see people rise up above those things. I want to see the revelation of Christ in them. He says, what was each messenger? What was Martin Luther? A rebuke to the Catholic. What was Wesley? A rebuke to the Lutherans. What was the Pentecostal? A rebuke to them others. And where's the life gone now away from an organization? No more shuck. It's grain. Now. Not tomorrow. Now. I want to know him now in the power of his resurrection. What is it? He says a rebuke to Pentecost to fulfill the scripture of this hour. Amen. Because the Pentecostal organizations cannot produce. That's why they hate this message. Because it's a rebuke to them. Because with what you have, you cannot produce what God is producing in this hour. And that's the grain. That's the bride back in seed form again. Don't, Don't wonder that they hate the message. Don't wonder that they attack the messenger. Don't wonder that they try and and bring a, uh, any kind of lying accusation against it. That's got to happen because they hate it. But there's a bride that loves it. Amen. So where are we now? So it's in the seed grain time. That's where God is. This is really part two of the subject, the mind that has wisdom. It's what we're speaking on. Is to catch the mind of Christ. Because it truly is Christ in you. The expectation of glory. Every individual attribute tapping into the mind of Christ for their age. Because you are the revealing of the Son of Man in this age. Oh my. Because if it's not Christ in you, then you can't be the revealing of the Son of Man. But the Son of, a Son of Man is revealing the Son of Man. And it's not just Christ, some thought, or some person in heaven, but it's Christ manifesting himself in bride form, the grain once again. Brother Branham talks about it in the rising of the sun, and he talks about how that Jesus was a wave sheaf. But he says the word's got to be waved again in this age. And he he shows how that those seeds got to come. What's what's the wave sheaf? The wave sheaf is not the whole crop. The wave sheaf is the first one to come to maturity. And so there had to be a messenger come to maturity in this hour and be waved over the people, showing that the rest of the crop will come to the same maturity. Amen. Back into seed form once again. He says there will be a message that the full maturity of the word is turned back again in its full power and being waved over the people by the same signs and wonders that he did back there. That's why it took a supernatural ministry in this hour to produce the wave sheaf that the rest of the crop could say, we're the rest of the crop. Amen. We're the grain that's got to go in. Amen. May the mind of Christ be in us. 
I was thinking about Isaiah. I was thinking about influence. I was thinking about the wisdom that Paul was looking for, the knowledge to know him in the power of his resurrection. You know, we know that King Solomon was spoken of as being the wisest man that ever walked on the earth. The wisest king that was there exceeded the wisdom of all the other kings and all the great men and great wisdom in that day. And then along comes Jesus, the word made flesh. And he, he begins to, they begin to look at him. Who is this guy? The Bible says there's no beauty that we should desire him. Not some great outstanding glory. Not some, not a great businessman. Not a great, I'll say, kingly leader in man's eyes. Not a great outward manifestation of a kingdom. And even when Pilate questioned him, he says, if my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. So what, my kingdom is not what you're seeing in this world. And as they looked at Jesus and uh, how apparently poor he was, as Jesus said, you know, even the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. Didn't seem like there was a great following of him and whatever there was, it whittled its way down to just the last 12 of them at the end of his ministry. Didn't seem like a whole lot. But that man could stand there and tell them, and a greater than Solomon is here. Standing before you is a greater wisdom than Solomon ever knew. Even though Solomon prayed as, as it records, as he looked up to God and, and God visited him in a dream. And, and, and Solomon says, I don't know how to rule so great a people. I, I, I need you to give me wisdom. I need you to give me understanding. And, and God blessed him with that great wisdom. And God blessed him with that great understanding. But Jesus said, there's a greater than that. That's walking right amongst you now. If you knew what was in your midst, in other words, you would seek this wisdom. They were looking at a temple and Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. Don't you know that this temple you're looking at, there'll come a time that not one stone will be left on another. And there's so much happening and they're, they're trying to grasp it because it's so simple. But it's the mind that has wisdom. It's the great wisdom of God. And I, I, I was thinking of how Brother Branham took that thought then and, and how that, I'm sorry that I keep saying I. It doesn't really matter what I was thinking about. It matters what the word says. And how Brother Branham took that great thought of a greater than Solomon is here and began to preach that to the people and declare to the people. What's he declaring? The same one that declared it 2,000 years ago is here amongst his people once again. Christ has come back to grain form amongst his people. And if you could just recognize that a greater than Solomon is here once again. Hallelujah. If we could just recognize the realities and the power that lay within the message. This isn't some mysticism this is the revealing of the very mind of God 
the very mind that has wisdom, the very things that as believers will lift us up above this earthly plane, the very things that Isaiah got a hold of, even as he was living under a king that rivaled Solomon's kingdom, Uzziah. He was a great king, so he's a great man that had wisdom. Even though Uzziah only really had two tribes of all the tribes of Israel. But yet his, his great kingdom had risen up and, and people had taken note of it that this was a great kingdom. And, and when Uzziah died, it was an event that had different effects upon different people. Is this okay? And, and he said, and the, and the Bible records that on the one hand, you've got Uzziah's sons who were so struck by what happened to their great dad as he went into the temple to try and offer incense and was smitten with leprosy. Till his own son, Jotham, the Bible says, never went into the temple of God. And his grandson became a total reprobate. I think that we ought to take that as a lesson. Even though sometimes we might be disappointed by something that happens in the house of God, somebody that steps the wrong direction and something bad happens to them, we ought never to forsake the assembling together of ourselves. Amen. And we, we realize that, that on the one hand, Solomon's family began to go downhill from that point. But on the other hand, Isaiah, seeing the death of, of Uzziah, he began to look to the Lord. It drove him to his knees. It caused him to look to God. And the Bible records in Isaiah chapter 6, you know the vision and how that in the year that King Uzziah died, there he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Isaiah had leaned on the arm of Uzziah, but now he needed a greater wisdom. Now he needed a greater experience. Now he needed something more. And when he came into the presence of God, he came to a realization that not only did he come to that wisdom, but he himself was a channel for a greater outpouring of the wisdom of God. And I'll just say it this way, that Isaiah to Isaiah was opened up wisdom that's hardly known to mankind. Because he began to tap into the mind of God. And God began to reveal things to Isaiah as he became a channel for the mind of God to make himself known. And to declare by prophetic utterance what would happen not only in Isaiah's day, but down through the ages all the way to the new heavens and the new earth. Hallelujah. What was it? That wasn't Isaiah's mind. That was the mind of God. And Isaiah got tapped into it. A greater wisdom than Solomon. Solomon, we know. Uh, how that he had to discern between two women fighting over a child. And he took the sword. He said, well, just divide the child. And the one woman was revealed as being an imposter. And the other woman was revealed as the true mother. Because she cried out, "Let just let the child live. A true mother's heart. And, and so that was made known. But Isaiah was lifted up into a higher realm. And he said, I'll tell you something else. A virgin shall conceive. Amen. Not just the ability to discern between two earthly mothers, but I'll tell you what, there'll be a virgin conceive. Amen. A child is born. A son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder. 
His name will be called Wonderful and Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and on and on. He, he just begins to describe the very description of the redemptive person of Jesus Christ. You know, Solomon saw earthly thrones. But Isaiah saw a greater wisdom. And Isaiah saw Satan exalting himself to the very throne of God. He says, I, I see him trying to take over the very throne of God so that he as God is worshipped as God. And all of these things taking place. Isaiah looking into the mind of Christ. Isaiah saw over to the time when Jesus would be made flesh. When the, when the word, the mind of God, the Logos would be made flesh. Greater than Solomon becoming flesh. But he also said that the people won't catch it. As God said, make their eyes wax dim. Make their ears wax dull. Declare it in such a way. And, and the disciples, they came to Jesus in that day and says, why, why are you speaking in parables? And Jesus said, that it might be fulfilled what Isaiah spoke. What Isaiah saw is fulfilled in our day. Amen. What Isaiah recognized uh, uh, for 800 years ago is now fulfilled in our time. Their eyes, where they have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. Amen. Lest they should be converted and be healed. Amen. Isaiah saw atonement in completeness. Isaiah saw it coming. I won't read it all, but I'll read the part that we love. He was wounded for our transgressions. Amen. He was bruised for our iniquities. Amen. What a mind Isaiah was tapped into. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Amen. Amen. That's the promise of redemption, as Brother Branham says, the twofold redemption of Calvary, not just salvation, but healing also. Amen. It's all laying there. It's a finished work. The price has been paid for every healing that's ever been needed. The price is already paid. Isaiah was caught up into the mind of God and said, with his stripes, we are healed. Amen. It's a finished work. Amen. What do we need then if we're sick? To get caught up into the mind of God. And see it the way Isaiah saw it. With his stripes, I am healed. Yeah. Amen. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. He's my healer. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the doctors say. He's my healer. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the prognosis is. He's my healer. Yeah. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. God said the mind of God was expressed. With his stripes, I am healed. Yeah. Amen. Isaiah saw a great light. We're going to bring this to a close. We could go down and talk about the things that Isaiah saw. Rise and shine. Your light has come. I was thinking, I was just pondering. I was just going through scripture after scripture. Isaiah, Lord, what did you show this man? Great things. Outstanding things. You showed him that even as he, you showed him the, the great and dreadful day of the Lord. The acceptable day and the day of vengeance. You showed him, Lord, the new heavens and the new earth. 
the former things. And he says, and, and I love the way he puts it in this new heavens and new earth. He says, but be ye glad and rejoice for that which I create. I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. Hallelujah. John saw the same thing in Revelation 21. And he, and he saw this great revelation and he, he described it. He says, he says uh, I saw the new Jerusalem. He says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. For there'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain for the former things have passed away. And so John describing what Isaiah saw in all of these things. And, he, and he's, he's, he's describing it in another way. But he's basically saying what Isaiah said. They'll be rejoicing. There'll be great joy. Why? Because there'll be no more death. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be all of these former things will be put away. Amen. There'll be no more pain. Amen. Brother Ryan is suffering pain tonight because of a, a surgery that he went through for his back. But one day there'll be no more pain. Amen. You might be in pain tonight. Your body might be suffering. But one day there'll be no more pain. All of these things and these great prophets were caught up in the mind of God. And saw these great things as a reality to them. And they were recorded in the word. And the musicians can come as I bring this to a close. But the Bible says. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. Not the son of man. But the seventh messenger. The seventh angel. Revealing the son of man. In that day. All the mystery of God would be finished as he has declared to his servants, the prophets. Hallelujah. All that Isaiah declared would be made known in this day. All that the John was talking about in Revelation would be made known in this day. All those great things and those great uh, Things that those great thoughts and revelations that they were tapped into, the things that Paul saw and looked into. It says, in the last day. What day? This day. Amen. What's the last day? After the opening of the seals. In this day. Where is it? It's laying right within the message of the hour. The very mind that has wisdom. You see, this message might appear. To be simple. To the educated that would read it, it might appear uneducated. To those that look at it, trying to put the pieces together, it might not be discernible in an educated, intellectual form of way. But I'll say tonight, a greater than Solomon is here. The mind that has wisdom is amongst the bride. And this message is that mind of God revealed to you personally. You say, oh, what would it have been like to live in Solomon's day and everything that they even said, oh, to stand. The queen of the south said, how blessed are those that stand around you and hear the wisdom and hear your sayings every day. And hear this coming from your mouth. How blessed they are. I'll tell you what. A greater than Solomon is here. A greater than Solomon lays right in this message. 
Oh, Brother Tim, I got needs. I, I need understanding. I need, I need, I'll tell you what, a greater than Solomon lays in the message. Yes. Just start feeding on the message. Amen. Just start giving yourself to the message. Amen. Those of you that are going through education, that's all fine and wonderful, but that's not wisdom. The great mind that has wisdom lays right within the message of the hour. Amen. When they looked at Jesus, and he says, a greater than Solomon is here. I'll tell you what, the queen of the south came from a long ways to hear the wisdom of Solomon. But a greater than Solomon is here. Hallelujah. What are you looking for? I'll tell you right now, a greater than Solomon is at your fingertips. You want to sit at Solomon's feet? You want to sit at Jesus' feet? I'll tell you what, sit at the feet of the message. Let God reveal the mind that has wisdom to you personally. Draw me nearer, please. Let's stand together. I am thine, oh Lord. I have heard thy voice and it told thy As he walked amongst them, he was a mystic to them. They didn't understand him. In the message, Perfect Faith, Brother Brown says, when you walk by perfect faith in what the Word says you are, you become a mystic to the world. He goes on in that same message and he says, that's actually rapturing condition, is to walk by perfect faith in what the Word says you are. That's what the word came to bring to us in this hour. I was just at some meetings and I, I don't know what you thought of Brother Bisco going to all the work of going to those meetings. I've been to the men's meetings now for several years and just to have a, a certain vision to just help uh, young men especially, but men in general just mature in the word of God. And uh, I know Brother Barry asked Brother Biscoe to come. And I, excuse me for just saying it this way. Brother Biscoe asked me about it and the purpose and that sort of thing. And I said, you know, I says, I've listened very closely to how God has dealt with you 
in these times of your life. I've listened because there's something in the dealing of God with the man that's in a place in life that not many of us are in. Hello? And I have great respects to that because I realize that's almighty God dealing with a man. I'm not elevating the man, but I'm saying it's God dealing with the man. And when God lays something on his heart, I'm very careful. It's not just a young man trying to be exuberant and excited about the things, but now a man that has gone down the road a long ways. These are not, these are not just fleshly things. We have no confidence in the flesh. But these are the things that come from the mind that has wisdom. And I, excuse me for saying it in front of Brother Biscoe here, but I'll just say, it really means a lot to me when a man of that age and experience stands up and says, these are the things that are important. I'll tell you what, I believe God speaks those things. I believe that a person with his gift as you have your gift and I have my gift, tap into a mind that has wisdom. And then I, I, let, I just want to absorb that and say, Lord, just use that to draw me nearer, to draw me closer to you and be conscious, not of, oh God, help us to get away from the trappings of the world. Get away from the influences of the world. Just say, Lord, center me in that place of great wisdom where you're revealing your mind. I know I've been born again. I know I've been birthed. But I want everything that you have for me in this hour. How many would say I want everything that God has for me in this hour? I don't want, to, I don't want him to hold anything back. I don't want to be distracted from my inheritance. I want to just have everything that God has for me. Let's sing this second verse together. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord. By the power of grace divine. second verse once again. Oh, consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by 
wonderful Heavenly Father. Lord, when we sing, draw us nearer to the cross, we don't mean the literal cross. We mean the center of redemption, Lord. Draw us nearer to that central purpose of our lives. Draw us nearer to that place where life is revealed. Draw us nearer, O oh God, into that great outpouring of your mind. Draw us nearer, O oh God, into those heavenly revelations. Draw us nearer, Father, into the revealing of the Son of Man in our lives and through our lives. Interpret it to this age through the quickening power of the Word in our lives, O oh God. Take us, Lord, to that place. Take every service and use it to take us nearer to that place, O oh God. Lord, as your great apostle Paul said, Oh Lord, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. I press, I press towards the full purpose in my life. I press towards that which is supernatural, recognizing that the things that are natural must serve the supernatural. Lord, the things that are natural, the job, the education, the family, all those things must be subject to the supernatural purpose in every life, in every son and daughter of God. Take it and anchor it, Lord, this morning in every life. I know, Lord, that tonight maybe the, maybe the, the way it was ministered was not exactly great in human clarity. But, Lord, you were here. You're here, Lord, to quicken the truth of your word to every heart that's sensitive to you, Father. So, Lord, be with each one. Lord, if there be somebody that's in need tonight, Lord, we've heard the prayer requests. We've sent forth our prayers after them, O oh God. Lord, where they are in their hospital beds, nothing can, no devil in hell can stop the power of God when a son or daughter of God cries out for it, O oh Lord. Lord, may you meet them in their need. May you meet every need here. Maybe there's some out over the internet, some who are troubled in their mind, some who are going through troubling circumstances, going through difficult situations. Lord, you're there to meet their needs. You're there to turn the situation around. You're there to take complete control over the enemy, oh God. Lord, let the mind that is wisdom be quickened in every situation, oh God. Let every circumstance be brought subject to the word of God. Lord, we claim it, O oh Lord, for the glory of the kingdom of God. We thank you for this time we've had together on Wednesday night. And Lord, we ask that you'll bless the hearer. And Lord, that you'll go with each one as we go our way. Grant them a wonderful night's rest, Lord. And on into the morning, may it be a wonderful day at work or at home or, or at school or whatever it might be. May the glories of God go with them. Lord, may the joy of their salvation override every sorrow in their life. Lord, we commit everything to you, asking your blessing now in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Do you love the Lord? Let's just sing a little chorus of that before we go. I love him because he first loved me. I love him.
Amen. We love him. Amen. I hope there was something there tonight that will touch your heart and draw you closer to Christ. Amen. Why don't you shake hands with one another as the service is dismissed in Jesus' name.